Welcome to the Color and Chaos podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in today. My name is Jonah Fair, and I am coming to you from Macomb, Michigan. It's an honor for me to be able to be here this week again. I didn't know if I would be able to. I had surgery this last Saturday on my ankle. Uh, last week, I told you a little bit about the injury. But uh, I was able to get surgery in uh, a week after the injury, which was really awesome. So if you are joining maybe for the first time, I am honored that you are here, whether you are joining on Spotify or iHeart or iTunes, or I guess it's not iTunes anymore, it's Apple, Apple Music, but wherever you're partaking in this, it is an honor that you are here. And I'll just go real quick into what Color and Chaos is, in case you stumbled across this or you were recommended this by a friend. But Color and Chaos is just a cry from my heart that I have seen this pattern within within not only myself, but us as humans, that it's always in the uncomfortability, the pain, the hardships, the difficulties, that when we face those things, we have this inclination within us to do nothing but run away from and numb ourselves from that which is causing that pain. But I've seen within me that in the moments that instead of running away from those things that 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 threaten me or challenge me, instead of running away from it, when I stop leaning on my own understanding, my own wisdom, my own strength, when I stop doing that but instead lean into my creator, savior, sustainer, and I seek him above all of the mess, beyond all the chaos, I've seen within my life that those are the moments that I've grown the most as a person and also grown the most in my relationship with my creator, savior, sustainer. So no matter where you're at in your relationship with your creator, savior, sustainer, maybe even right now you've came across this episode and you don't have a relationship. You're not even looking for a relationship, but you just want something to help you make it through the chaos in your life. Then you are welcome here. This place exists for you, that this is a place that we as broken people can come together and be honest and say, look, I don't want to stay where I'm at, but I want to get out of this. I want to find a color in the chaos. So here, let's pray and then we'll jump into today's episode. All right, Lord God, just thank you so much that you are here. Lord, thank you so much that you care. Lord, thank you for the just the ability for us to be able to seek you no matter where we're at, no matter where we've been or what we've done. Lord, you are accessible. You are ready and mighty to save. And please just help us know that you love us and that you are present no matter what we've done, no matter what we're doing, and no matter what we will do. We need you, Jesus. In your name we pray and we surrender. Amen. Amen. One thing about me, and maybe you as well, but I know for me, I hate needles. I hate needles. There's something about needles that just, you know, stresses me out. I remember when I was going to college many, many years ago, when I was going to college, I remember, you know, when you go to the dorms, you you have to get a lot of shots. And so I was there, you know, getting ready for college. I was excited about where I was going, but I necessarily wasn't excited about what I had to go through to get to where I was going. And what I had to go through was tons and tons of shots. And I remember that it was towards the end of all the shots that I needed. I, there was like one more shot I needed. I think it was like a tetanus shot or something. And I remember the needle was pretty big. And that was, that was a big stressor. You know, it's a stress enough to get, get a needle in your arm or wherever. But it's enough. It's also worse just to see the massive needle 
I don't know if you've ever seen one of those massive needles and it just stresses you out. It makes it way worse. And so I had the stress of the needle. I had the stress of the shot. And before you know it, I passed out. I just lost all functions and just fell. And I remember kind of coming to on the floor of the, the doctor's office that I was at. I remember my mom was like, Jonah, Jonah, you okay? You okay? And um, I didn't really know if I was okay or not. I just woke up from not knowing what happened. And come to find out, yeah, I passed out from this shot. The I guess the stress or the anxiety or whatever, whatever word to fill in was so massive that I just lost all functions. And so that's a memory that I always think about when it comes to shots. And that's kind of like a little prayer within me of like, Lord, I don't want to pass out. I don't want to pass out. I don't want to, you know, for one, be embarrassed. But also, I just I just don't like that feeling of not knowing what's going on and, and then waking up and, you know, it's so one thing to go in for surgery and have to be put under, which I I was going to be put under for the surgery last Saturday, but it's another thing, you know, to, to for that just to happen. So anyway, all that to say, I went in Saturday just with a little prayer in my heart. I already knew that one of the worst things about the, the whole process of that day necessarily wasn't the surgery because I wasn't going to be awake for that, but it was the shot. And so I knew that I needed to get an IV before I went in for surgery. So there we are. There's two nurses. They come in. I'm all stripped down clothes-wise, and I have on the robe. You know, so you already kind of feel a little vulnerable. I'm there in the bed, and the nurse is like, okay, here, I'm going to start to uh, put this, I guess, uh, tourniquet, whatever you call it, on your arm in order to see where your blood veins are. And so I just proceeded on telling the nurse, like, hey, I am really afraid of, uh, of needles and uh, just bear with me. And she was really, really kind. She was like, hey, don't worry about it. I got you. You know, we don't like needles either. And so it was really just comforting. So the nurse, she checks for the blood veins. She finds a blood vein. She even says like, hey, you, you actually have really good blood veins. And I'm like, wow, awesome. Don't miss, you know, like, you know, whatever. I, I just hope that whatever compliment you're giving me produces the results that I'm, you know, begging for. And so she gets the IV in and I immediately start to feel a little lightheaded. But I tell myself, I'm like, oh, no, it's OK. It's OK. You know, you'll make it through this. And then I start to feel a little nauseous. And by this time, the nurses are like, OK, hey, we're, um, you know, we're done for now. You know, it's about an hour before your surgery. Just kind of relax. Here's the TV remote. And I was just like, nah, nah, I'm good. I, I don't need any TV right now. I just, you know, I just need to kind of just chill. And uh, they're like, yeah, yeah, sure. So they leave the room. They pull the the curtain. And there I'm at in this room by myself feeling lightheaded and nauseous. And it's only getting worse. And so before I know it, I start to feel um, just very, um, I already said lightheaded, but I start to feel even just hot. I start to sweat. I start to my, like get that tunnel vision that I couldn't really see. Like my my vision started to kind of go black, and immediately I think, "Oh no, oh no!" You know, for one, I was really praying, like, "Lord, I really don't want to throw up all over this bed and all over this you know room." And also, as the tunnel vision started to to happen, and I started not to be able to hear, I started to realize, "Okay, I'm in the process of of you know passing out." And so I, at this point, I couldn't really hear myself. It started to be like a ringing in my ear and, and just with a little voice, I, again, I couldn't really hear myself, but I, I can feel within me that it wasn't very loud, 
just with all that I could muster in that moment, all I said was, hey, guys, like, hey, guys, that it was just in the same, you know, honestly, in the same volume that I'm saying it right now in the, in the mic. But I was just like, hey, guys. And I was just hoping, I was just hoping that the nurses could hear me. Even though I couldn't hear myself, I was praying that the nurse would be able to hear me. And by the grace of God, the nurses heard me. They came in to check on me, and they saw that I was lightheaded. You know, I, well, I don't really know what they saw, but I can I can hear enough to hear that they were like, oh, okay. They, they knew exactly what needed to be done. And so in that moment, I did not know what needed to be done. The nurses knew what needed to be done, and they came in, and they immediately started working on my behalf, even though I didn't know what was going on or what needed to be done. So the nurses start to kind of talk to me. I can hear enough at this point to, to hear them talking to me. One nurse goes over to my IV or the monitor and she's like, hey, I'm going to start increasing uh, the fluid that we're giving you um, to, to help counteract this. And I'm thinking as she's telling me this, wait a minute, no, 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 okay, if I'm passing out because of this IV, I don't know if I want more of whatever you're giving me through this IV right now. That's what I was thinking, but there was this, this this little like pause within me to just be like, hey, wait a minute. Like she has to know what she's doing. And then the other nurse, she goes over to the sink and she's like, hey, I'm going to get you a wet wash rag. I'm going to get you some ice to just kind of put around your neck, um, you know, to help help kind of stabilize everything. And and then she's like, hey, I'm going to put your I'm going to put your your bed back. What's really interesting is that the nurse didn't ask if I wanted the ice or wanted the wet rag or even wanted for my bed to be laid back. She didn't ask that, but she just said, okay, hey, this is what's going to happen. And so even within that, I was just thinking like, whoa, yeah, okay, yeah, you know, I, if she thinks that's what's needed, then then that's what's needed. And as she's putting me back and as they're doing all this stuff, I'm just trying to kind of talk to them for one, just to kind of keep myself from falling into that pit of, of just falling asleep and losing consciousness. And I just asked the, the nurse that I can sense that was to my left. I just asked her a simple little question. And all I asked her, I said, hey, is this normal? Is this normal? You know, is what I'm going through, you know, something that you've never seen before? And as she's reclining me back, I just hear her respond to me. And, I, and it stood out to me, but she just responded back. She says, yes, this will pass. You'll be okay. You'll be okay. Yes, this will pass. You'll be okay. It's so crazy because in that moment, I did not feel. There was nothing within me that felt like it would be okay. I was still losing my hearing. I was still losing my vision. I was still nauseous. I was still holding back, throwing up, even though I haven't eaten in, I guess, at that point, 12 hours because they tell you to do that before the surgery. There's nothing within me or my environment that was telling me that it would be okay. But all that I can go based on in that moment was the words of the nurse. I knew in that moment that, wait a minute, even though I've never really been in this situation, even though I don't know what needs to be done to get me through this, I can trust that this nurse has seen many, many, many patients that have been in where I'm at, the almost identical place that I'm at, maybe even the same bed and room that, I've, I, that I was currently in. I could trust that when she said that it was normal and that I would make it through this, 
and I would be okay. I can trust her words. It's not just those nurses that I can apply these truths to, but that we can apply this idea that there is a nurse that knows what we need, that is present, that cares, that, that intercedes, that is working on our behalf, that also knows what is good for us, that, that disciplines and, and gives and takes away in order for us to be more stable and to be exactly where we need to be and to make it through the chaos, we can trust that it's not just earthly people, it's not just earthly nurses that do that, but we have a creator, savior, sustainer that is the ultimate nurse that knows us and cares. And my attention after surgery, as I was just meditating on this almost revelation that I had through these nurses and through the, the, the moments of, of just trying to stay conscious, I had this moment where I was reading in Romans 8, that I wanted to share with you that, that just goes through this whole idea of what I'm talking about, that we have a creator, savior, and sustainer that knows and cares. And I know these things you may have heard before, but, but I just feel led to remind us of the truths in the scripture. And so this is what Romans 8 says, specifically in verse 18. Paul writes this, Yet, what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory that he will reveal to us later. Verse 19, for all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. With eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. I'm skipping around a little bit in here, but from verse 18, verse down to 21, it's just talking about how we right now are under chaos, each and every one of us. We are all just like where I was at in the hospital bed of just feeling these strange things just all around us and even within us and, and you know, not really knowing what's going on and just hoping for the best and, and trusting that those that are in our life are truly in our life um, for our good and for our, our, our growth and all these other things. So if I was there in the pain, in the bed, just saying, okay, all right, this is it. This is all my life is ever going to consist of. You would tell me that I'm foolish that there's so much more than what I was currently feeling. And that's what Paul's saying right here in Romans 8. He's writing to the Roman church and he's saying, look, I know right now is rough, but there's so much more outside of this world of suffering that right now you are currently experiencing. And he's trying to get their head to wrap around the fact that their pain is not telling them the truth, that there's so much more. And then he goes on to say that it's not just you, the Roman church that I'm talking about, but it's us as creation. We are longing for the day that we will be able to be outside of this death and decay, like he says in verse 21, but that we would be able to be in glorious freedom. Each and every one of us are longing for glorious freedom. In that moment, I was in the hospital bed. I was longing for glorious freedom from the feeling of passing out and also that needle that was within me. I don't want it. You know, I want to be free from that. But I knew that I needed to go through it whatever I needed to go through in order for me to get to a place where I can have that needle outside of me. But then verse 25, I love what he says here. He says this, but if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently as a key word. I'm reading from the NLT, but it says wait patiently and confidently. When I'm there again in the bed, 
<laughs> with the IV within me, I had to have a patience that what the nurses were doing was going to get me eventually to a point where I didn't no longer need that IV. And I had a confidence, not in my own ability or understanding in that moment, because in that moment I didn't really have understanding, but I had this confidence and I needed to have a confidence to make it through without stressing out and passing out, but I needed to have a confidence in what the nurse was saying was true. He goes on verse 26 and he says this, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. When we don't know what God wants us to pray for, the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. Verse 27, and the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. Verse 28, and we know that God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love God and who are called according to his love for them. Heavy heart. In that moment when I couldn't see, those nurses could see. In the moment when I didn't know what to feel and what was true, those nurses knew what was true. In the moment that I didn't know what can help me get through what I was experiencing, the nurses knew what I needed to get through what I was experiencing. When I did not know what was to come, or even if where I was at was new, those nurses knew. There's so many things I could continue to go on, but I feel like you know what I'm saying. Heavy heart, we have a God who's a nurse, and when he has a word, when he tells us a word, there is truth behind that word. But so often, we are so trapped within our chaos, within our thoughts, within our feelings, within our all those things that we are experiencing, the panic of the day-to-day -day grind, that we tune out the words of the nurse that is telling us, look, you will make it through this, but you have to trust that what I am doing is for your good and for your growth, that I have a plan and purpose for you. And it's not for you to stay within this pain, but it's for you to have a glorious freedom that, that I am longing for you to have. If in that moment when the nurses were doing all these things to, to get me through what I was experiencing, if in that moment I would have fought them, I would have only made it worse on myself and I would have succumbed to the exact same thing that I didn't want to have happen to me. I would have been fighting against the nurses thinking, well, you're not going to prevent me from passing out. But I would have passed out in the process because if it wasn't for the fluid, if it wasn't for the ice and for me getting back and having being able for the blood to rush back to my head and to not be able to, you know, be in the compromised state that I was in. If I would have fought them, I would have succumbed to the exact same thing that I was fighting them for. I'm geeking out right now, but there's just so much truth here. Another verse that stands out to me is Hebrews verse 4 and verse 14. And this is what the writer of Hebrews says. He says this, So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly, firmly, with confidence, hold firmly to what we believe. Verse 15, This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings that we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Again, it goes back to the words of the nurse. If the nurse says, look, you will make it through this. Not only has that nurse seen tons and tons of patients 
that have made it through what I was presently experiencing. But we have a God, a creator, savior, and sustainer that has seen millions and billions of his saints go through the same hurt and pain and challenges and persecution that you may be feeling right now. We have a God that empathizes in our pain. He knows what we have been through. He's been through everything that we've been through. When we look at the life of Jesus, we realize that he is 100% God, 100% you know, human. The word of God became flesh and dwelt among us. So the pain that I am feeling right now with my foot, I know that my God empathizes with. Just like when I was in the bed, I know that that nurse knows what it feels like to have a needle within her. And I can trust that she knows what it feels like when she has seen people that have been not only passing out, but what they needed to make it through that so that that did not happen. In John 16, verse 33, Jesus reassures his disciples through what he is saying. He says this, he says, look, I've spoken these things to you so that you will have peace in me. You shall have suffering in this world. You will have suffering in this world, but take heart. I have overcome the world. The nurse wasn't devaluing the pain that I was feeling. If anything, the the, the nurse was recognizing the pain that I was having. Just like Jesus recognizes the pain that you and me will have. He says, look, in this world, you will feel pain. The nurse did not negate the pain that I was feeling, but she gave a value, a worth, a purpose to the pain that I was feeling and a hope to the pain that I was feeling. When the nurse said, look, yes, this will pass, she was recognizing that this, the pain that you were feeling, will not stay, but it will pass. Likewise, Jesus says, look, you will have suffering, but take heart take heart, this will pass, take heart, why? Not because of what you are feeling, not because you will make yourself be able to be strong enough, believe in yourself to make it through, you know, this this feeling of hurt and suffering. He's not saying that, but he's saying, look, take heart, why? Because I have overcome the world. The nurse is saying, look, take heart. (laughs) When I was there on the bed, it said, take heart, why? Because I've seen this, this is not out of the ordinary, and I have overcome this in the past, therefore I can overcome it now within you. How much more does our heavenly creator, savior, and sustainer, how much more does Jesus, who has been through everything that we've been through, yet he was without sin, how much more does he know when he says, look, take heart, I have overcome, how much how much more weight does his words hold than the, the nurses that I had as I was there preparing for surgery? heavy heart. We can trust his words, even if in that moment, in the moment that you are currently going through, that you've been through, or that you will go through, even if in the moment, everything around you is yelling to you, you should not trust this. Why? Because it does not look like what he is saying. In Hebrews 12, verse one, he says this, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses, 
to the life of faith. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated on the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. After all, you have not given your lives to the point against sin that you've shed your own blood. Verse 5, And have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children? He said, My children, do not make light of the Lord's discipline, and do not give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. Another concept introduced here in this passage in Hebrews 12 is the concept of discipline. So often we fight against the same hands that are trying to heal us. So often we, we curse God and we throw up the middle finger and we say, God, how did you allow this to happen? God, why are you allowing this to happen? God, you know, where are you and what is happening? And in that moment, and I've, I've shared this earlier, but in that moment, if I would have fought the nurse and what she was doing to me, if I would have fought her, if I would have argued with her, when she took away my privilege of sitting up or took away my privilege of dictating what my environmental temperature was, you know, it's crazy because before me about to pass out, they were telling me, hey, look, if you want it hot, if you want it cold, just let us know. <laughs> but they took away that freedom when they realized that, look, that the I didn't need to make a choice at that moment. I needed to yield to the choice that they were making why? Because they knew what was best for me. And likewise, when we look to God, when the Lord disciplines us and takes away things, or he says, look, I want you to give this up, it's not for our hindrance, but it's for our good, it's for our growth. Why? Because he works out all things for the good of those according to his purpose. We have to trust that his purpose is so much greater than our purpose, what we think is best. I could have easily fought the nurse when she said, hey, look, you will make it through this. I could have easily said, no, I won't. No, I won't. Shut up. You can't tell me what. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know where I'm at. But no, that would have done nothing. That would have done nothing to help. If anything, that just would have made it even harder. I could have fought the nurse with my hands. I could have swatted away on all the help. I could have threw the ice across the room. I could have, I could have cussed them out saying, you stupid idiots, get out of here could have done that but it just would have made it even worse and eventually I would have passed out I was on the road to passing out if they didn't intervene I would have passed out and likewise the Bible says that we are all born into this life dead in our sin but it's only when we surrender and lift up our hands and say God I know that you can make a way when there is no way within me I can't reconcile this relationship between me and you because my sin and holiness cannot meet, cannot mix. But when we look to Jesus, he's the nurse that shed his blood in order for us to be able to have that reconciled relationship. And it's only the moment that we surrender our sin and we say, Lord, I know that you took away the sin. I don't want to have an identity wrapped around my sin anymore. I want to have identity wrapped around you and your word. <laughs> when we do that, we yield to the nurse 
and he resuscitates us with the life that only he can give. Heavy heart. Our God is a nurse who loves us and who cares. May we not fight him. May we not just keep lashing out against the hands that wants to heal. And the writer of Hebrews, he's saying, look, how we make it through the suffering is by taking heart, not only in a concept, but in the person of Jesus. When we are so focused on Jesus and saying, Lord, I know that you have a plan and purpose for my life. I know that you are here. I know that you're not going to waste this suffering, that nothing is wasted, that I know that what I'm experiencing is not in vain. Lord, I know that you can redeem what I've been through, what I'm going through. Lord, I know that you can use it. When we have that moment, when we say, okay, Lord, even though I don't feel like I'm going to make it through this, I'm looking to you. When we do that, we're able to run the race that God has given us and be able to have that peace and have that freedom that we long for. He is the one that perfects the faith that is lacking within us. Heavy heart, if you feel like, look, I know I'm a mess up. Look to Jesus. <laughs> look to Jesus. If right now you're saying, look, I know that I'm hurting and I'm in pain. Look to Jesus. May we look to Jesus. May we listen to the words of our nurse. There's a song that has been ministering to me recently uh, within the, the year or so, um, I can't remember when the song came out, if it was last year or this year, um, but there's a song that's been ministering to me by a worship artist named Olivia Buckles, and the the song, the premise of the song is saying, look, Lord, I'm recognizing my weakness, and I'm crying out for you to help me within that weakness. The name of the song is Lord, You Know All Things, and I just felt led to share this song with you because within this season, I find myself gravitating to this song. And the day right after my surgery, I was in pain. I was laying there just trying to elevate my foot and everything. And I just put on this song. And as I was listening to this song, it was just such a sober reminder to me that, Lord, it's okay for us to acknowledge and recognize our pain. That you're not the nurse that tells us to shut up when we're crying out in pain. But if anything, you encourage us to cry out to you in our pain for us also to recognize that you know and that you are working on our behalf. My hope and prayer is that no matter where you're at, that you know that you have a God who loves you, that is faithful, that can redeem and work all things out for the good, and that nothing is wasted, that he is present. When, we, when you don't know what to cry out, what to say, what to pray, he knows, he searches hearts. And he has his spirit that intercedes on your behalf as we cry out to him. Heavy heart, rest easy. May the song minister to you as it's ministered to me. Lord, you know all things. Help us walk it out. Obedience and
Oh 